0: What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Ileana Colon Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches, we might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, and we're happy to be rejoining you during what has proven to be a very busy, Mm -hmm. grueling month for us attorneys that are still practicing and just don't do YouTube all the time. I had really big plans and intentions for all the different shows that we were going to do. There's so many cases out there that I wanted to talk about and cover, but... My practice got in the way. Well, sometimes uh, when our court schedules get a little too busy, well, I I have to go do my other job, my main Mm -hmm. job. So here we are, uh, episode 23. There's been a lot that's happened since the last time that we were with you talking about the Brian Koberger arrest and uh, his arraignment and the scheduling of his preliminary hearing and the release of the uh, probable cause affidavit and all the things that have been going on with that case. Um, since then there's been a lot of people going out there putting themselves out on a limb and trying to discuss his possible defenses, how they were going to attack the evidence that was outlined in the probable cause affidavit. All I know is this. It's silly to think that the only evidence that exists was contained in the probable cause affidavit because they just gave they give you just enough to let the judge know that they had enough to arrest. For example, the main Point of contention for most people trying to craft his defense. Mm -hmm. I heard from his uh, his former his initial public defender,
1: that one that was appointed to him,
0: did an interview and Mm -hmm. they were asking his opinion about the evidence and Mm -hmm. how he would go about attacking it. And one of the things he had zeroed in was the cell phone location, Uh, the cell phone pings about how that's not really reliable evidence if you're trying to zero in on somebody's location. Uh, And then he talked about uh, some of the Weaknesses in the DNA evidence, which okay. I honestly didn't really buy. So, I mean, the, the main point is that the defense is pointing towards this being a mm-hmm. circumstantial case. There's very little direct evidence of mm-hmm. anything tying Kohlberger to the actual scene other than the DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. And then there's the eyewitness testimony. But I think a lot of the fear with that specific witness mm-hmm. Is that there may be this fear that she was under the influence, oh. and if she was under the influence, then mm-hmm. how credible is her recollection? Yep, you know what I mean. Yes, um, I'm not naming names <laughs> or myself or implicating myself, <laughs> but uh, well, you know, I've there there have been times when I have been under the influence many years ago. And I remember, like, dead puppies in my bed or, like, seeing weird hallucinatory mm-hmm. uh, stuff that would um, lead me to believe that reality wasn't what it was. And so there, there's that part of it. But so for right now, Brian Koberg, this is the situation. His current defense team mm-hmm. took an unusual position by requesting a six-month continuance from the date of the arraignment to the preliminary hearing.
1: Okay. So he got the attorneys then?
0: He did. Because his original PD was Mm -hmm. from the, um, where was he at? Pennsylvania. Okay. that They handled him through Mm -hmm. the extradition hearing, which Mm -hmm. they waived. And so there's not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. That's why he was even talking about the case. Everybody else is under a gag order, right? Yeah. He's really only talking about stuff that had been released, Mm -hmm. Um, but everybody else, they can't say anything about it. There's been some leaks here and there, but his new defense attorney, um, she at his arraignment requested additional time, mm-hmm. presumably to become acquainted to discovery. She used the language that she was mm-hmm. brand new on the case. She wanted to get up to speed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take me six months to get up to speed. I mean, I know, I mean, you got evidence that's here, a probable cause. Mm-hmm. Usually defense attorneys, at least in my in my cases, I want to go. If we're going to trial, I know we're going to trial. There's no mm-hmm. possibility to settle. I'm not trying to delay anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to defend my guy. Let's just get through the prelim. I want to yep. see what their case is. Mm-hmm. What is the outline of their case? And then we'll start building from there. From the preliminary mm-hmm. hearing to the trial, the date of trial, you could, you know, do a number of things to delay then. But mm-hmm. usually you want to know the outline of the prosecution's case or get a feel for their witnesses. Yeah. Like, okay, let's bring on uh, officer, whoever it is, mm-hmm. and test how he's going to do on cross-exam, test uh, the veracity of his statements. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, get a feel for... Uh, you know how strong their case yeah, is. Exactly. Preliminary, mm-hmm. you're never going to get the full case. It's not. It's not the actual trial, obviously. Mm-hmm. The trial is, the trial. But the preliminary hearing, they're just trying to show enough that there's enough there to hold the defendant to answer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What do you think about that strategy? And the, all right, let me put you in her shoes. You were the public defender. You're representing mm-hmm. Mr. Koberger. I had you do this like two weeks ago, <laughs> and they said, "What advice do you have for Mr. Koberger?" Well, he's screwed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I usually don't do criminal
2: hearings. Yeah,
0: it's like that's not very helpful. <laughs> but okay, so if you had it, mm-hmm. if this was your case, what would you do? Strategy for the prelim? Do you want to just go forward, or, or are we? Uh, do you need six months to prepare for a prelim that you're you're already going to lose?
1: I mean, I don't think I would need the entire six months. Uh, maybe a little bit less, and just go into it. I mean. Just to f- have, like you said, an idea, a yeah. feel exactly what's going on. And then from there, decide if we really need to settle this or just go to trial. But, I mean, six months is a little bit excessive, unless she has already some other trials or something in between. But
0: Well, I mean, court schedule aside, yes. um, I typically like to put the pressure on the prosecution. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a yes. right to a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. They can only extend things out so far as you'll allow them to extend it out. Exactly. You know? So why would you just waive that card? You know, give them all this time to build up their case. Yes, that they don't need. You know, mm-hmm. put the trial in the judge's hands and make him mm-hmm. rush everybody through. Now he just—they just gave them six months to either bolster whatever it is that they have, or yeah. you know, I don't know. They're already going to go through the discovery anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, what is the point of that? It's like when I get these civil cases. Um, a lot of people, they like to, well, let's do written discoveries, mm-hmm. form interrogatories, special interrogatories, requests for production of documents. Mm-hmm. I have a different strategy. Now, yeah, let's just do a deposition mm-hmm. right now before we do anything. I want to talk to the people and get a feel for how they're going to be as a witness, and I'll mm-hmm. get it from them. And that immediately puts pressure on the parties. And more importantly, it gives the attorneys an idea of how strong their client is mm. as a prospective witness and how oh, yeah. valuable they're going to uh, be at trial when you're trying to prove your case. So for a preliminary hearing that you know you're probably going to lose, mm-hmm. I don't know how many preliminary hearings I've done in my career. I've, I did quite a few when <laughs> I was, uh, when, you know, earlier in my mm-hmm. career because I was mostly doing criminal. But the odds of losing a preliminary hearing are pretty freaking mm-hmm. low. I mean you have to have zero evidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a case dismissed that I've been involved with mm-hmm. anyway that was at the preliminary hearing stage. I have gotten counts dismissed. Okay.
1: That makes sense.
0: But not the full case mm-hmm. dismissed, you know what I mean? Yes. Like charge of five counts of burglary or whatever mm-hmm. theft and they only showed enough evidence to hold them an answer for three of the five. Mm-hmm. Dismiss the other two counts, right? That, makes sense. that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. But the whole point of a preliminary hearing that you know 99% you're probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. If they, they get to this stage and there's no plea deal, they got they got enough evidence. And you know that. You And you're telling mm-hmm. your client, we're not going here to win. We're going there to see. I mean, of course, we're going to try to win. But you got to <laughs> let them know that we're probably going to lose.
1: The odds, yeah. And when they mm-hmm. hold you to
0: answer, I don't want you to take it as a loss. Mm-hmm. This is a stage that leads up to trial. The trial is where we win or lose. Right mm-hmm. now, we're just trying to fill out their evidence. Mm-hmm. If they have enough, how strong is their case? How strong is their witnesses, right? So- She curiously uh, decided to do this, um, speculated because, you know, I don't know, discovery, but that doesn't make a lot of sense because they're still doing discovery. Yeah. Both uh, prior to the prelim and after the prelim. Um, Maybe she was waiting for the the release of the search warrants, which is possible, but usually, and I don't know how it is in Idaho.
1: I don't know, but... They take six
2: months. <laughs> it's evidence
0: that you usually get right away. Yeah. I know that the search warrants were under seal, but the the defense in most cases, I don't know specifically in Idaho mm-hmm. if it's the case or not. I just know that they're going to get, you, you can't withhold a search mm-hmm. warrant. If it was formed, if, if it was used um, in that search warrant, mm-hmm. there's the basis for probable cause. You need to know if there's fourth amendment issues, if you're going to attack the evidence and try to keep it out mm-hmm. because of some constitutional violation. It's not stuff they're going to hold for you. So I don't understand uh, the search warrant thing, why that would be the reason to um, delay matters for six months. Um, and one of them has already been released. Uh, there was a release of, I think, the, yeah, it was the Idaho search warrant. Okay. Not the Pennsylvania one. Okay. But they released the uh, the one from Idaho. Okay. And you didn't really learn a whole lot um, other than, you know, what was already there. Yeah. So theories of the defense. <clears throat> You go through the probable cause mm-hmm. affidavit, and you have to read it. And when we were going through it at the time, mm-hmm. uh, just the timeline of everything, how it went down, it felt pretty damning because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff was redundant. And, um, of course, they're going to put it in the light most favorable to the investigation. Of course. So when you're reading it, and if you don't know any better, like, oh, this guy's really guilty. Mm-hmm. But even us as attorneys, we're looking at it, and it's like— I don't know. This seems like an awful lot. They were able to track this guy all over the place. And what you and I were not thinking of at the time mm-hmm. was they never made a mention that they had GPS data okay. from the phone, right? They may have it. Mm-hmm. They might have it. They didn't have to disclose it in the probable cause affidavit. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just their practice to, to not disclose that information yeah. for whatever reason, because you're you not showing all your cards and that kind of a, a document. Mm-hmm. But the evidence that they were using to verify his location was cell phone tower pings, Mm -hmm. right? And as a lot of people have already pointed out already, Mm -hmm. a cell phone tower has a search radius of about 20 miles on average. Okay. Sometimes more, sometimes less. It's a lot more reliable in highly populated urban areas like L.A., New Mm -hmm. York, because there's a lot more towers and, you know, they're a little more reliable. But in a small town uh, like they were, like Mm -hmm. in Idaho, there's only one. And it had a search Mm. mile radius of 20 miles. And if he lived 10 miles from the
2: place where the murders
0: occurred, you're going to probably need a little more than that. Mm -hmm. It's not evidence that he was at the scene of the crime. It's evidence that he was in the area where he already lived. So that's not going to be enough to place them there is the point. (laughs) So uh, that's one way that they're going to attack it. Another theory that I've heard uh, thrown out there is that the DNA evidence that they recovered from the Mm -hmm. sheath uh, of of that knife was not direct DNA evidence such as blood or like bodily fluids Mm -hmm. or something like that it was indirect or transfer DNA or touch DNA. Okay. Which is to say that. Like skin? Yeah, like skin. Like Mm -hmm. if you touch it, your DNA is going to be there. Like if, if, for example, if I hand you Mm -hmm. or you give me something or a cough Mm -hmm. drop, uh, my DNA will be in your house somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is that the evidence of the DNA on the sheath is not direct evidence. They're arguing, right? Obviously, this is their argument. I have a different argument. <laughs> um, their their argument is that the DNA evidence is not direct evidence that he was there in the house. Okay. It's only evidence that he, at one point in time, mm-hmm. at some time prior to the incidents, had touched the sheath of the knife. Okay,
1: and how did the knife get there? <laughs>
0: That's the problem, isn't it? So, I'm like, okay,
1: yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but...
0: Yeah, and that's the first thing that all the jurors are going to be thinking, okay, so what is he doing touching a a knife sheath? You know, and why is it in their house in the first Mm -hmm. place? Um, And they would make that argument, and I would just simply cross-examine and say, okay, well... Yeah, so the DNA evidence um, is going to be tough to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I was saying, like a cross-examination. You want to tell me that the... The evidence is, you know, it's possible. It's not evidence that he was there at the scene. It's only evidence that he once Mm -hmm. touched the sheath. It's like, okay, well, how many... I guess the question becomes then, how many people other than Brian Koberger Mm -hmm. DNA were identified on the sheath? And that's a question, because if there's like 50 different people on the sheath, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be problematic. But if Koberger's is the only discernible DNA, Mm -hmm. then... They may have a point, I guess. Yeah. Or, I mean, the you know, the uh, prosecution will have a point. But they're going to have to figure that out. And I'd imagine that's what the defense mm-hmm. is going to be testing. Okay. Not because, I mean, look, it's, it's, I don't know why his evidence is on the sheet. It's, I mean, there's a, I don't know. Because it, <laughs> it was an accident. Maybe she brushed him with the um, in passing. I don't know. You know, but it is pretty freaking weird. Yeah. Um, when... Last I checked, uh, there's no indication that any of the four victims or anybody in the house was a member of the Marines or the mm-hmm. military, which is a, a military-grade knife, mm-hmm. or had uh, ownership of something like that or any kind of a weapon or uh, a sheath of that nature that had DNA on it from Mr. Koberger. So still problematic, but that's where they're kind of grasping for yes. Could have been everybody. It's like, okay, well, is my DNA at your house? I've never met you. It's
2: mm-hmm. you know? like, a, how did it get
0: here? I don't know you. Is is, is your is my DNA at your house? Mm-hmm. What would be the likelihood that you find my DNA on your couch, for mm-hmm. example? Yeah,
1: it doesn't make sense.
0: It's still... It, it's still fantastical evidence. What are the statistical odds that uh, just some random person in Alaska's DNA is going to end up on my remote control or um, on uh, our kitchen counters somehow, yeah. because he was uh, handling through manufacturer um, the, the steak knife set that I bought from a wife whenever it was, I don't know, man, it seems, uh, it, it seems like, I guess they got to present something, right? Yes. And of so course. they're going to attack it at every angle. So, but that's, what the argument's going to be for the the DNA or the beginnings of it. Because mm-hmm. um, all of this stuff is, I don't know what the pretrial motions are. I don't know what pretrial motions are mm-hmm. scheduled or what their plans are. But I'd imagine there's going to be some discussion over what experts are going to be allowed to testify as to the veracity or the reliability, mm-hmm. the trustworthiness of specific DNA evidence. And I'd imagine that the defense is going to work their hardest to be allowed to admit expert witnesses that will be there to testify solely to the fact that touch DNA Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or transfer DNA is utter garbage in terms of its reliability. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to pinpoint um, whether or not somebody was there ever Mm -hmm. in which case is like, okay, so then what are the odds that, you know, this person's DNA was there and he never knew this individual and that he, all these other factors, I don't know how that's going to come out, but,
1: Maybe there was a party.
0: Yeah. I do. Well, oh, that's the other thing. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, you'd have to argue something like that, yeah. right? I mean, that, what other argument? But then again, why would, it, why would it be a sheath and not like a dress? Because
2: mm-hmm. exactly.
0: I imagine they scoured everything for mm-hmm. DNA, yet the only piece of tra- DNA transferred DNA,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which I guess is also, I guess my question is this. If mm-hmm. he murdered four people in cold blood
2: mm-hmm.
0: with a large knife, Uh, and they found his DNA evidence on the sheath, Mm -hmm. and it was transferred DNA, like this defense attorney suggested, meaning you just get it by touching something, right? Mm -hmm. Then wouldn't that DNA have also been on their clothing, on the bed? Well, unless he's wearing gloves, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I guess my, my my only point in bringing it up is, if transferred DNA is that easily placed on items, mm-hmm. then wouldn't it stand to reason that the person who was eyewitness ID by Dylan in the house mm-hmm. to at least have their eyebrows exposed, their mm-hmm. face exposed like that something was exposed
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, to have left some form of DNA somewhere else on the house where they scoured up and down all of the items that were found in the house for DNA? I don't know. I
1: oh, uh, we need to know more about DNA. <laughs> but do you see what's happening yes, here? Yes. Just
0: by bringing up this whole discussion, exactly. mm-hmm. you're putting questions in a juror's mind mm-hmm. about all the different possible yes. avenues, and people get distracted, and that's all the defense mm-hmm. is designed uh, to do. Yeah, that specific question, mm-hmm. they know that that argument is kind of bullshit. I mm-hmm. feel like they know, you know. But yeah. their job is to poke holes in the investigation, mm-hmm. and that's one of the holes.
1: No, you called it last time. You said they're gonna go ahead and attack every single piece of evidence if their reliability um, and all that, that's the only way that they can go. I mean.
0: Yeah. It's, def- it's, a, de- it's a defense. Mm-hmm. It is effective. It's mm-hmm. been effective in the past. And so um, as far as the white Elantra, which is the one that they saw yes. um, <coughs> him driving in, the defense is that it can't be determined that it was necessarily his white Elantra. There was a car that was seen in and around the incident Mm -hmm. um, that was filmed on surveillance footage. And, you know, they mentioned that it was tracked from coming to the scene and going from the scene and all this stuff all the way down to Pennsylvania. But how do we know that the white Elantra that Koberger owned was the white Elantra that they were actually tracking? They found this profile. Mm -hmm. They were looking for somebody that owned an Elantra. So somebody was going to be the one. Mm -hmm. And they found out this guy was living 10 miles away. How many other owners of white Elantras were there? And I guess that would be one way for the prosecution mm-hmm. to extinguish that bit of yeah. evidence. But they're technically right. In the affidavit, they did not specifically directly place him in that specific Elantra. Mm-hmm. They just identified that this is the car that the person was driving,
2: and, and he, he owns, owns one.
0: Yeah. And we've tracked him using the, this technology, and this is why mm-hmm. we think he's our guy, mm-hmm. Right. The question of whether or not they have GPS evidence is a big one,
2: well, because no.
0: if they do, then all these arguments about cell phone towers kind of go out mm-hmm. the window. Um, the 20 mile radius thing and the fact that it was in this rural, small town um, makes the, the theory about the cell phone towers lose credibility. Mm-hmm. But if they got us GPS, we don't have to worry about it then, do we? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That might be something <laughs> that... Uh, now, here's why they would not release... They may not release that. Because in the course of trying to... In the course of negotiating plea deals and such, right? Both sides are still building their case. Oftentimes, matter of fact, 100% of the time, when an interrogation is taking place mm-hmm. or the DA is trying to build their cl- their case... It is not in their best interest to let the other side know all of the evidence that's out there. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the person that's on the hook is going to be trying to defend themselves. Of course. And if they know about the GPS footage or they think that the cell phone tower is a strong evidence and they don't know mm-hmm. that we have this GPS stuff. If he says, well, no, there's no way because I was actually over here. Yep. Well, did you know we had our GPS footage and we know that you specifically mm-hmm. were not there? And all of those things could be recorded or introduced as evidence um, in a million different ways. And so it's this game that that goes on. So just yeah. because they haven't announced that they had that evidence doesn't mean that they don't have it. Mm-hmm. They could very well have it and we're not we're not gonna know exactly what they have until they get to trial. And even at trial, we're not gonna know all the things that they considered. Or that they actually had, because there's going to be some stuff that's left out simply because they don't need it to get a conviction.
1: That you mentioned that that reminds me that that's the issue that I had with what's her name, the Florida mother, the Casey Anthony. Casey case, Anthony, yes. That I feel like this, uh, what is it, the documentary, whatever that she did recently, to me, because she had all of the evidence already that was used in the trial, she kind of. Puzzle it together. She found an excuse for yeah. every single little thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> now it's easy because, you know, like all of the evidence, but mm, it doesn't work like that.
0: No, <laughs> oh, she was so shifty. And then she allowed yeah. herself. She had the perfect excuse. I was molested. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I have to lie. It's just the yeah. way that I stay... Sane, stable. I make up stories. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I told, if, yeah, I told you one thing today. I'll probably tell you something else tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And all the puzzle pieces are going to fit because I don't have to play it by your rules. Exactly. And if a jury buys that enough, well, um, maybe you could get away with murder if you're compelling enough, mm-hmm. or if the prosecution waste the jury's time with uh, evidence that uh, that with their weakest evidence and doesn't focus on their mm-hmm. strongest evidence, which was the case in that. in in that trial and you get a, you get an acquittal and you know, like we said on this show that we thought that that verdict was probably correct based on what Mm -hmm. the jury was presented. Yeah. But on our heart of hearts and my heart of heart, I believe that she did it. Mm -hmm. I think you do too. I forgot if you said that or not.
1: I think that either she did it or she knows who did it and somehow she's Involved in the, to, in the whole thing,
2: like yeah.
1: I'm thinking. If she knows who did it and she didn't do anything about it, she's probably on the hook um, still. So Just, that's probably why she's not saying anything right now.
0: I mean, she has a theory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> her theory is that her her dad did it. Yeah,
1: ten years later.
0: Or her dad's <laughs> the one that found him, right? <laughs> you know, and, and that story. I mean, I don't remember if it came out back in 2009 or not. Mm-hmm. I just know that it came out in her documentary, mm-hmm. which was her ability to one-sidedly tell her story. Exactly. And um, get everybody to think that she was not guilty. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about Casey Anthony. Um, I just have an opinion about the the prosecution team and the, the time that they wasted and the opportunity that they wasted and how bizarre that case was. And I don't want to get off track because we only have yeah. so much time. <laughs> um, so, at any rate, has been a bit of leaked evidence. Mm-hmm. On behalf of, um, I don't know who leaked it, but it's suggested that Brian Coburg, there is evidence that's going to be presented that he tried to, on social media, contact all three of the female victims that were in that house through um, Instagram, trying to get them in their DMs over and over and over and over and over again, all three. And they never responded to him. And they were saying that they don't know if the girls even knew that he was doing mm-hmm. it because there's like a separate, like when somebody sends you a yes. message anonymously mm-hmm. um, and I've learned that since I started this show, <laughs> like I get all these DMS from people and it's yeah. like, uh, uh, Hey, do you trust this person to receive? Mm-hmm. And then you have some like make the call yes. and then you get so many that I could see how like it's uh people will, you know, disregard, mm-hmm. but they just found evidence. And like I said, that's why I said, we don't know everything that they have on this mm-hmm. case. And, I'm sure that part of his defense was going to be, mm-hmm. I didn't even know who these girls were. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know anything about them. I've never seen them in my life. Why would I have any reason to go there? And they've been very tight-lipped about their defense. The only thing that Koberger ever said was through his first public defender okay. that stated that I'm looking forward to being exonerated of all the charges. That's okay. what he said. He didn't say specifics and, you know, you're not supposed to because mm-hmm. you're supposed to stay silent. And so he's waiting to see what evidence they have against him so that he could formulate his defense. And, uh, well, that's his constitutional right.
1: Those messages do, do kind of fit into the whole speculation that he was mad because he was being ignored. Yeah. And that whole profile that they have of him of we talked like about a solitary that person. Yeah.
0: Like three weeks so, ago, two weeks ago, yeah. whenever it was, about that his—it was probable— mm-hmm that somehow he felt rejected Rejected. by these females Mm -hmm. and he was really angry about it and sick and tired of it. And he came up with this plan and then he was, he was getting angry and angrier at his inability to uh, interact with women.
1: Now I'm thinking, should I be not ignoring my (laughs) Instagram random (laughs) requests? (laughs) I don't want to end up in the steps of, um, those young, uh, Adults, I mean, just because I ignored somebody on Instagram. Well, don't My go goodness. responding to
0: everybody either. That'll only make it worse. <laughs> no, no, I mean. <laughs> I think you just got to ignore and hope for the best, honestly. You never know what bad things people are going to do wow, if given crazy. the opportunity. Um, at any rate, that's uh, that's Mr. Kohlberger. Uh, that is the latest on what's going on with him. His preliminary hearing is set for June. Um, we're going to continue to talk about it as new details come mm-hmm. out week to week, but... There are other cases out there that I've been wanting to cover. This Anna Walsh case, you heard about her? She is the uh, 39-year-old female that was married uh, to one Brian Walsh, 47 years old.
1: I did read an article um, about her when uh, the guy was arrested. Yeah. Um, All I know is that he's the prime suspect. And like in almost every story where one wife goes missing and I don't know. It's <laughs> happens so much in the movies and the husband is the one trying to help out and then it turns out that he's the one that did something. And-
0: well, you've been busy and this all happened fairly yeah. recent. I think yeah. she went missing on January 4th. Yes. Um, and so I'll fill you in a little bit. Just um, Brian Walsh, so yesterday he was arraigned mm-hmm. on charges of murder and illegally disinterring or moving a body.
2: Okay.
0: Um, he's been in jail since January 8th When he was officially Mm -hmm. detained, his formal arraignment was yesterday. He pled not guilty to all three charges. Um, He was arrested uh, initially back on the 8th because he was misleading investigators. So he came up with this story about where his wife was. And it Mm -hmm. just, well, obviously it didn't plan out. This is the theory of the case, according to um, the prosecutors as of yesterday. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The Quincy District Court, um, they believe that he killed his wife with whom he shares three children, young children, Mm -hmm. too, like two, four, and six or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, because he wanted to end their marriage. uh, And the criminal complaint alleges that he assaulted her and beat her to death and then disposed of the body. The evidence that they uh, went over was um, specifically, they discovered her blood and personal items in Mm -hmm. local garbage. Okay. There was phone data showing Brian's movements and his alleged Google searches, Mm Uh, related to dismembering and disposing of a body, and we'll get into that a little bit later.
1: Was this also the couple that was part of a very conservative uh religion, or I'm confusing the cases?
0: No. Are you thinking about the case from, like, 2009 with uh, the the Mormon couple? They were living in Utah?
1: I don't know, because I remember recently reading, I don't know if it's an old case or not, of this, uh, I I think probably it was a Mormon couple, and they had maybe, like, three or four children. and Two he- boys? Something like that. And he killed her because she wanted a
0: divorce. Well, if it's the case that I'm thinking about, that wasn't the motive. Or, well, maybe it was. I don't know. Um, They never uh, filed for divorce or anything. But, like, he ended up never being charged. Oh. And then he committed suicide. But before he did that, he kidnapped his kids and killed them first. And then set the whole building on fire, house on fire. And everybody burned up inside. And it was this horrific, horrific case. One of the worst... I've ever heard. Okay. Of it. getting back to Brian Walsh, yeah. um, so they got his. Uh, the investigators they mm-hmm. had been searching for her since about January fourth is when mm-hmm. she went missing. And Wednesday was the first time at the arraignment where they said that she's probably dead. Okay, um, and that's obviously the reason for the charges. Uh, they didn't say whether or not the body had been found, but it's extremely unlikely uh, because the way that the that it that it appears is that. He disposed of her body in a dumpster mm. next to his parents' house, which was taken and incinerated before they could recover the garbage. So her body is likely gone.
1: Yeah, his ashes.
0: His story was, and what he told police is that his wife left the home for a work trip to Washington mm-hmm. D.C. around 6 a.m. on New Year's Day, but there was no record of her taking any such trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wife's phone continued to ping in the area of the house until around 3 a.m. on January 2nd, mm-hmm. a couple days before she went missing. Um, there were reports uh, that the police department was seeking public assistance in locating missing residents um, who was last seen in the early morning hours of January 1st. Anna Walsh was 39, last seen at her home, um, but last seen in her home um, after midnight on New Year's Day. That's the timeline. We'll talk about that. We'll we'll spend a little bit a bit of time talking about the timeline. It's worth talking about because it's a bu- it's one of these bizarre cases, yeah. you know. Um, his defense attorney, Tracy Miner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I got to tell you, man, these uh, these statements that come out from defense attorneys, i just rather they just didn't say anything at all. Just don't yeah. say anything because you guys sound like freaking douchebags whenever they open their mouth and say, oh, my client's innocent and we're going to show you how weak the prosecution case is. And yet they just went through 21 mm-hmm. Google searches about how your client just Googled about how to dismember a body and how to get rid of the smell. Mm-hmm. And how the, what's the best ways to dispose? But here she is puffing out her chest and saying, oh, the prosecution's got a weak case. So she goes out there and she says that, in my experience, whereas here, the prosecution leaks so-called evidence to the press before they provide it to me, their case isn't that strong. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd push back a little bit on that, Miss Miner.
1: Just keep quieting. Why even yeah. say that? For, for what,
0: what benefit is exactly. it to her client? Uh, I mean, I understand what she's trying to do. I guess the theory is Mm -hmm. we're trying to let the public know that it's still an ongoing case. Mm -hmm. Fine, but don't be such a dick about it, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, she just—it rubs me the wrong way when attorneys do that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. I don't do it with my clients. Um, I don't even do it with opposing counsel, Mm -hmm. you know? I just, you know, let the evidence speak with herself. It's Mm -hmm. your right to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what you got. Mm -hmm and but you know i don't i don't need to puff out my chest like that i don't i feel like this attorneys do themselves mm-hmm. a disservice whenever they do it um, at any rate uh she goes on to say when they have a strong case they give me everything as soon as possible we shall see what they have <laughs> and what evidence is admissible in court where the case will ultimately be decided and you know what she's uh, she's full of shit when she says that mm-hmm. for all the reason that we just went through mm-hmm. 15 minutes ago and i think she knows that but i also think that she Specifically, put that out there just to. She thinks that she's, I guess, trying to steer the public opinion in yeah, his favor. Yeah, public opinion.
1: Yeah, that's because right now he
0: could not look worse no. than he already does. There's this picture of him that came out where he's in custody in handcuffs. The police are walking him. It appears to be either to or from um, to be transported mm-hmm. to court. He's got like the stupid smirk on his face. He oh, looks. Uh, he looks disheveled, long, mm-hmm. greasy. Hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could smell him from the picture, honestly. Oh, that that are that are out there. He just looks like uh like somebody that you would think mm-hmm. could do such a thing, you know? Um and his wife was like this younger, she was 39, she was really attractive. Um, and she there had been evidence of domestic violence oh. in the home. Didn't and there had have- been indications that she'd been trying to get away from this guy for some time. And there had been there there is spec it's all speculation right mm-hmm. now, because well, as we've seen from Koberger, we don't know anything yeah. yet. But <clears throat> A lot of the speculation from people that know her has said that she was trying to dispose of assets to get cash, Mm. perhaps to make a run for it. You you know, know. Uh, this guy was on house arrest. And so he was stuck in the house and she lives there.
1: House arrest for what? I didn't know that.
0: Oh, I'll get (laughs) into that. And because the shit gets deeper. Oh, God. um, At any rate, uh, Anna Walsh was a corporate real estate manager. She would travel between the family's home in Massachusetts. And her job in Washington, D.C. She was a force to be reckoned with. She was a mom to three sons between the ages of two and six. Uh, The children's, uh, the couple's children are in custody of the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. Um, A flood of families have offered to take the kids so that they can stay together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, gosh, could you imagine? Two, four, and six. Two, four, and six. And they've just lost both of their parents. Both. I have a two-year-old. I'm going to have a four-year-old in about a month and a half. Um mm-hmm. uh, Olivia's birthday is in uh, March. Um and then six and their their parents are just gone. And
1: that's just it's going to mark them for life.
0: Yeah. Uh prosecutors say that Brian's phone data shows that he traveled to several apartment complexes in different towns where they accuse him of disposing of evidence in the dumpsters. Um the surveillance uh video from the two complexes shows he drove a Volvo. So they have him on surveillance, okay. driving this, his his car, it was mm-hmm. a Volvo. Um, and somebody fits his description. He's like this
2: yeah. larger,
0: um, overweight, mm-hmm. older gentleman. Dark hair. Yeah, throwing right. bags in the dumpsters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the trash from the dumpsters were incinerated before investigators could s- sift through it, mm-hmm. as is the practice at waste facilities. Yeah, and so course. they were a little late on the draw on that one. So... But they do have uh, um, a boatload of other evidence, mm-hmm. circumstantial evidence yeah. that they're going to have to rely on because they're not going to find a body in this case. Um, investigators were able to track down the trash that the husband allegedly threw away at his mm-hmm. mom's home in Swampscott, a town about an hour's drive north of the Walsh's home. There were 10 trash bags of evidence that were found at a garbage collection station containing bloodstains, a hacksaw, a hatchet, towels, rags, gloves a heavily stained rug and a Tyvek suit, a near total body covering often used to protect from contaminants or hazardous materials. He had pr- prior to uh, January 4th purchased about $450 mm-hmm. of cleaning supplies. Oh, I yes. wonder if uh, that Tyvek suit was a part of that okay. purchase. Um the state crime lab, they tested some of the bloody items in the bags. They found DNA from both Anna and Brian mm-hmm. on a pair of slippers and the Tyvek suit. The wife's DNA was also found on some tissues. Additionally, a search of the couple's home, uncovered blood stains, and a bloody knife in the basement. Uh, blood was also found in Walsh's car. I wonder if in the basement they had wood floors because one of his Google searches mm-hmm. was, how do you clean blood off of a wood floor?
2: Oh.
0: Um, it's pretty specific. Yes. You know? um, <laughs> But, you know, the defense team, she, they don't have a strong case because they didn't give us all the evidence. I was mm-hmm. like, no, well, that, I guess, I Maybe don't know. I guess you're going to just show us how it's done yeah. at trial. Um, the state, oh, additionally, a search of the couple's home uncovered blood stains and a bloody knife in the basement. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, bro- blood was also found in the Walsh's car. Police observed a plastic liner in the back of his car the day Anna Walsh was reported missing, but the husband later told investigators that they threw the liner away. Um, these are some of the Google searches. I'm not going to go through all Mm -hmm. of them, but some of the most uh, damning uh, that they found that were made between January 1st Mm -hmm. and January 3rd, placing her date of death, probably January 4th. There was a new year's party that they had uh, went to. How long before a body, how long before a body starts to smell? What does formaldehyde do?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How long does DNA last? (laughs) just right off of the bat from these searches, he's not the most sophisticated um, tool yeah. in the shed. Yeah. That's not the most sophisticated sentence I've ever said. Um, can identification be made on partial remains? Dismemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body. I feel oh like my. the people that listen to our podcast or other <laughs> similar shows kind of know the answers to all of those yes. questions, which is why I'm stating this guy is not... Up to par, as they say.
1: He didn't watch enough murder documentaries. Shoe and crime documentaries,
0: and (laughs) he's just not up to speed. Um, How to clean blood from a wooden floor. What happens when you put body parts in ammonia? Is it better to put crime scene clothes away or wash them? What kind of question is that? What is he talking about? Is it better to put
1: wash them maybe he's thinking like that's not
0: really even a search for anything scientific that's just a a search for what's the better logic or what's going to look better if the police find this if they're sitting in the uh i guess the dresser all folded and nice and neat or if they're washed or i don't know
1: i don't know what he's thinking and like you said he doesn't seem to be the brightest maybe he thinks that i don't know the dna it's gonna be less uh uh, reliable or testable with time if it's put away instead of watch? I don't know. I, I don't know. If it I, goes down the drain, maybe can the drains can be tested, something like that, something crazy, because if he's searching all this, he probably doesn't know much.
0: No, he's a, he's a little <laughs> all over the place. Um, hacksaw, best tool to dismember. That's the search. Can you be charged with murder without a body? Oh, God. He basically lays out the questions for his plan Mm -hmm. and his Google searches as the prosecutor's allege. So how do you explain away those uh, searches and What do you, what do you, what do you do? What do you do?
1: Definitely. He's not looking for clarification after watching a murder show.
0: (laughs) I can tell you that. (laughs) Do you remember my foolproof uh, suffocation rant about Casey Anthony? Yes. What other reason is there to make that specific search? Mm -hmm. I mean, I got, Fifteen different searches like that in this case. So how much, how much, uh, how do you explain it? What do you even do? What do you even do? And
1: this one, it's, like you said, it it kind of creates a timeline or like a plan or outline of what he was planning to do. So his plan. every single
0: part. (laughs) What it doesn't show is a method of murder. Yes. It implies that he has a plan to Mm -hmm. murder and dispose of a body. This member. With a hacksaw. Mm -hmm. How do I clean up the blood? How should I stage your clothes? Mm-hmm. This is his plan, right? And
1: get rid of the body. If right. I should get rid of the body or not? He and-
0: gave clues as to the location of the murder. How do yeah. I get? How do I get blood off of a wood floor? <laughs> Which I don't know if he has wood floors in the basement or not, or in his house. He but sure. um, it's interesting. Yeah. So the prosecutors they, they detail that he made several purchases of cleaning supplies. Um, They listed multiple items that he allegedly bought. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was at a Home Depot on January 2nd. They say the prosecutors that he wore a face mask and rubber gloves as he purchased mops. Interesting. Mops. That must be more common uh, where they were. Um, Well, again, maybe they mean like a COVID face mask, you know, I'm thinking like a ski mask like that's a little odd. I couldn't make sense. Maybe he was wearing like a COVID face mask. I yes, haven't that's seen what I'm the actual. Thinking, yeah, yeah. Um, and rubber gloves as he purchased the mops. So maybe his plan was, oh, I'm going to avoid getting all of my DNA because mm-hmm. I'm going to wear these gloves. Um, and the excuse
1: is probably. So he did. COVID. He bought a mop,
0: a um, <laughs> brushes, tape, a Tyvek suit with boot covers, buckets, baking soda, a hatchet. Um, <laughs> everything spent about that
1: screams murder. <laughs> Four
0: hundred fifty dollars and everything that kind of corroborates the items in those searches, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: the husband also went to Home Goods that day and bought three rugs. Uh, two days later, he allegedly went to Home Goods and TJ Maxx where he bought towels, bath mats, men's clothes. Um, he then went to Lowe's where the prosecutor said he purchased squeegees and a trash can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just I, I, what I do know is this: he's not the brightest criminal nope. we've ever seen. Um, and he's kind of just wrote the uh, prosecution's uh, theory of the case for them, with the Google searches. Um, meanwhile, there was no activity on Anna Walsh's credit cards. So here's a a, a brief timeline of events, and I'll mm-hmm. try to be quick. Okay. Um, so I told you that the shit goes deeper. <laughs> Brian Walsh's father dies.
2: Okay.
0: Right. And um, in his will, he specifically left nothing to Brian Walsh's son. His Dad left nothing mm-hmm. to Brian, right? Leading to a protracted legal fight over his estate. And according to documents filed in Plymouth probate family court, uh, he had contested whether or not uh, the signature on the will actually belonged to his dad. It's a typical probate yeah. challenge, right? Um, Dr. Walsh will noted that he was not in contact with Brian. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that you'll see in a will. Like, if you want, if you, if you want, your will to be ironclad or non-contestable. You'll put as much information in there um, to demonstrate your capacity to make will and your intentions for why you're making the will. Um, So you'll have, you'll see a lot of this family uh, laundry getting aired Mm -hmm. in these documents. So Dr. Walsh noted that he was not in contact with Brian to whom he bequeathed only his best wishes and Mm -hmm. nothing else from his estate. According to photographs of the document attached to court documents, Brian Walsh unsuccessfully contested the will, suggesting his father's signature was not the Mm -hmm. one. It was possible forgery, which, of course, he had no evidence. you got to prove that by clear and convincing evidence. You can't just make the accusation. Mm -hmm. you got to have something backing it up. Uh, So he had a severe falling out with his son Mm -hmm. um, over the will issue, right? In October 2018, Brian Walsh was indicted on federal fraud charges for allegedly selling a couple of fake Andy Warhol paintings. You know who that guy is, right? Yeah. The sixties. I don't know why he's such a good artist. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people find his paintings Mm -hmm. valuable, um, but they do. They do. Yeah. And uh, he forged a couple and, Mm -hmm. um, well, he's brought up in charges for it. Um, FBI investigators alleged that Brian or Anna used her eBay account to sell the paintings in November of 2016. Less than a year after they were married, she was never charged with anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't don't think they believe she had anything to do with it. Well, obviously, because she wasn't charged. Um, He pled not guilty to wire fraud, interstate transportation for a scheme to defraud. So it was a federal case. uh, Possession of converted goods and unlawful monetary transaction in November of 2018. So, setting the table, guy was in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, He enters this plea... Uh, in April of 2021, he ple- pleads guilty to three of the four counts in exchange for a recommended sentence of incarceration, supervised release, mm-hmm. fines, restitution, and forfeiture. And he also agreed to either return the artworks or pay for them. So we got in trouble in 2018 mm-hmm. for something he did back in 2016. The case and the investigation was ongoing for a few years. Enters a plea deal in April of 2021. And as part of his plea, uh, there's a pre-sentencing probation period mm-hmm. where he was placed on monitoring and house arrest okay. where he lived with his wife. So he's not allowed to leave. Tensions are probably high. Oh, yeah, he probably has no money. Uh, the guy was starting to age poorly, uh, out of shape, mm-hmm. older. Um, I don't know. And then his wife was like this younger, attractive mm-hmm. lady. Is probably feeling a little... Insecure, there was allegations of domestic violence
2: mm-hmm. and
0: indications that Anna was trying to plot her escape mm-hmm. from her husband, who was locked in the house by law enforcement, um, with in accordance with that plea, right? So okay. um in April of twenty well, in December of twenty twenty two, Brian Walsh makes a Google search. Mm-hmm. So what's the best state to divorce for a man? Do you know oh. the answer to that question? I do not. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I've never considered that question, honestly, um, and I'm not about to uh, go through fifty state sets of state family yeah. codes to um, make that distinction. I mean, I
1: can probably tell you not specific states, but um, those states that are that have at fault divorces is probably one of the worst because, I mean, if you're found. Leaving the house or cheating or something like that. Then
0: Family maybe- law would be so much fun, so much more fun if we practiced in an at-fault state.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it would be so much more fun and entertaining. Yeah. However, we do not. Um, on December 31st, according to Brian Walsh's statements to police, he includes in an affidavit that he and his wife hosts a New Year's Eve dinner at their home with a friend named Jem. Brian and Anna went to bed shortly after the friend left around 1 or 1.30. Anna said that he or she had to work. There was an emergency. She mm-hmm. had to fly to Washington, D.C. Um, for her job the next morning. And then on January 4, January 1st, according to Brian, mm-hmm. Brian told the police that in the morning, Anna gets ready, kisses him goodbye, tells him to go back to sleep. Uh, she usually took an Uber, mm-hmm. a Lyft, or a taxi to the airport. And left between sometime between 6 and 7 Mm a.m. That's according to his affidavit. According to prosecutors, during that time, he made a series of Google searches on his son's iPad, including, like we stated before, how long before a body starts to smell, 10 ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need to, uh, how long for someone to be missing to inherit. Uh, how to okay. clean blood from wooden floors. You know, I didn't go through them all. Mm-hmm. Those are some extras. Um, he further told police that a babysitter arrived in the afternoon mm-hmm. and he left home to get groceries at about 3 p.m. Uh, so the affidavit states. Uh, he told police he then went to see his mom around 4 o'clock that day in Scots, about an hour's drive from Cohasset, but did not have a cell phone on him, got lost. He got lost, um, making the trip longer than usual. He said his mother... Home. He left his mother's home about 15 minutes of arriving to run errands at her, for her at Whole Foods and CVS, and eventually returned home at around 8 o'clock. So, January 2nd, Anna Walsh's cell phone pings in the area of their Cohasset home mm-hmm. on January 1st and 2nd, as Brian Walsh told investigators. He took one of his children for ice cream at a juice bar in Norwell on January 2nd, while the babysitter watched his two other kids. Investigators confirmed this trip, so at least that part of it Mm -hmm. was accurate. He went to HomeGoods, purchased three rugs. Just after noon, he made several more Google searches. Hacksaw, best tool to dismember. That's the search. It's 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 a weird search. Can you be charged with murder without a body? Can you identify a body with broken teeth? That's horrific sounding, isn't it? Yes. According to surveillance video, on this date, January 2nd, Brian Walsh is traveling to a Home Depot in Rockland wearing a surgical mask and gloves and made a cash purchase, the affidavit states, where he bought $450 worth of cleaning supplies, including mops, a bucket, tarps, goggles, a hatchet, baking soda. On January 3rd, Brian Walsh allegedly made more Google searches. What happens to hair on a dead body? You got to believe that she's probably deceased already at dead. this point yeah you know?
1: I think I'm thinking she is already dead by the first and he's yeah. just planning how to get rid of the body on like those what three four days
0: probably after that New Year's Eve party mm-hmm. maybe exactly in the morning because that's when she allegedly made the plans right mm-hmm. I don't know maybe he had a little alcohol maybe uh they had an argument maybe he I don't know
1: from what you're telling me the other there's probably some domestic violence history. It wouldn't surprise me if he was jealous and thought that the last minute trip was an mm-hmm. excuse to see somebody on January 1st or January 2nd and he got upset. I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> just, But it, it does seem like they were on the fritz, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think that he planned to kill her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think it was planned. I think it was probably, it sounds the way that, just track his searches. Mm-hmm. What's the best state to get divorced? That was his initial plan. Yeah. So maybe he was thinking about uh, divorce is inevitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get into their, to that part of their, because I have no idea about what their marriage was like. But he probably got pissed off and took it too far and beat her to death, like the prosecutors say, and she died probably on January first. Mm-hmm. And then on the second, we have all of this activity about him
2: uh,
0: doing all of this stuff. We're still January 3rd, where he's searching what happens to hair on a dead body. What is the rate of decomposition of a body found in a plastic bag compared to on a surface in the woods? Can Mm -hmm. baking soda mask or make a body smell good? Um, Cell phone data tracked Brian's whereabouts to an apartment complex in Abington at 4.27 p.m. And surveillance video shows that he exited his car with a heavy garbage bag and put Mm -hmm. into a dumpster. And that was later taken. the garbage to the incinerator. And that's why we're never going to find a body. At 4.48 p.m., he goes to another apartment in the Mm -hmm. same town. And at around 5.10 p.m., he goes into an apartment complex in a different town where he again discards items in a dumpster. So what does that tell you? Mm -hmm. He's trying to spread around the evidence, Mm -hmm. right? Which is stupid because now there's multiple locations about where they're going to find. Not only that, they're tracking your movements. um, And there's no reason that I've ever had to dispose of one thing in multiple trash cans (laughs) over different cities, different apartment complexes. So uh, again, not the sharpest tool. Um, These garbage bags were taken to a location to be shredded and incinerated and destroyed by the time the police located him. So going to January 4th, He's still in the cleanup process, it seems, because he visits a Home Goods and TJ mm-hmm. Maxx to buy towels and bath mats. Um, he visits Lowe's to buy squeegees and a trash can, um, according to prosecutors. Uh, so at this point, I think we could just connect the dots. Mm-hmm. He disposes of the physical remains, mm-hmm. January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th. There's still cleanup. There's still probably blood. There's probably uh, biological matter yeah. uh, all over that house. And he's figuring out, trying to figure out how— and at, on January fourth, that's the day that she goes missing. So all of this is prior to law enforcement okay. involvement. January fourth is when she's declared missing, and now the investigation begins. After he's done all of this stuff to try to cover his tracks, right? And
1: who was the one that made the? It Wasn't what? even him. Yeah, that was gonna ask that. I guess. It
0: was her job.
1: Oh, that, that she,
0: reported she her didn't missing. Show up- Okay. Yeah. She really did have uh, mm-hmm. somewhere to be. Yeah. And he, maybe he did think, oh, you're just going there to uh-huh. be with your boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And well. He did. Yeah. And, but her job had reported her missing. Okay. Um. so, and matter of fact, yeah, Anna's Wal- Anna Walsh's workplace, mm-hmm. the real estate company Tishman Spire calls police to report that she did not show up for a job. Um, That was on January 4th. According to Brian Walsh's defense attorney, he called her workplace to ask if they knew of her whereabouts Mm -hmm. prior to the workplace's call to police, which isn't evidence of anything other than him. Either he did or he's trying to cover his tracks. At this point, you're not going to believe that he's checking on her Mm well-being, you know. So um, I wonder if he tried to, like, stage phone calls to her cell phone between his to hers on the second and third to make it look like, oh, I'm really concerned about my wife and where she's at. And, you know,
2: Maybe.
0: <laughs> I don't know. He seemed really busy on those yeah. <laughs> days. So the police arrived Anna Walsh's home for a well-being check. Brian speaks to them first with investigators multiple times, provides to them the above timeline that we just discussed for mm-hmm. his actions and whereabouts on January 1st and 2nd um, about, the, the timeline regarding his story about mm-hmm. how, I don't know, we had a New Year's Eve party and then she was leaving work on the 2nd and then she's supposed to be there. And as far as I know, she's supposed to be there. I been mean, went to try to check on her. They don't know where she's at, so I have no idea what happened to her. That's what mm-hmm. he told the police. Uh, police noted that Brian's vehicle had the back seats down and a plastic liner in the back of the car. It's mm. not a good thing <laughs> if you're trying to cover up a murder. Um, on January 5th, the police noticed that the plastic liner is gone from his vehicle. The carpet of the car showed fresh backing streaks. Uh, Brian Walsh told the police he threw the liner in the trash, Mm -hmm. which, of course, it did. Uh, Cell phone data shows that he went to Swampscott and traveled to the corner of an apartment complex where there is a dumpster. Ten trash bags that originated from his dumpster contained bloodstains, cleaning materials, a hacksaw, a hatchet, purse, boots, all worn by Anna Walsh, and her COVID-19 vaccine card. Um, the police announced that Anna Walsh is missing on this day on January 5th. Mm-hmm. She was reported on the 4th. On the 5th, that's when the police said, hey, this lady's missing. We need tips from anybody that knows anything. On January 6th, the police launched a massive search for Anna Walsh that included K-9 officers, search and rescue teams in wooded areas near mm-hmm. her home. Um, at that point, and it hasn't come out yet, but I suspect that they knew that she was gone. Yeah. Uh, They probably had a pretty good idea that Mm -hmm. they're looking for a corpse and not a live person. Evidenced by the fact they're looking at wooded Mm -hmm. areas. Um, Members of a state police canine on January 7th, uh, they searched along the highway in Cohasset on January 7th. There was at least six investigators uh, tasked with driving to the North Shore of Massachusetts, watching surveillance video video to try to verify Walsh's timeline, basically what he was trying Mm -hmm. to state. And that's when they started uncovering some of his uh, trips to Home Depot and Lowe's and cleaning supplies and all that. Yeah. On January 8th, investigators obtained a search warrant for the Walsh home and found blood and a bloody knife in the basement. And then at that point, based on what they concluded from surveillance Mm -hmm. and what they found in the home, he was arrested at that point for misleading the investigation.
2: Okay.
0: Lying to cops. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the murder charge came yesterday. Uh, Yeah. But that's how they got him into custody on uh, January 9th. Uh, he was in court, uh, he was arraigned in court and pled not guilty to a charge of misleading the mm-hmm. police. Um, the prosecutor said investigators had found no evidence of Anna Walsh taking a ride share from the house on January 1st, which suggests uh, she never left the home mm-hmm. on January 1st. She yeah. was murdered early that morning, mm-hmm. I suspect. Um, the judge sets a bail at five hundred thousand cash and set the next hearing to February 9th, which is coming. Yeah. Uh, but I, I imagine it's moot at this point because I, I they should probably they're probably going to consolidate that case mm-hmm. with the murder case. Uh, prosecutors released the affidavit in support of a criminal complaint that lays out authorities' timeline of the prior week. The affidavit describes Brian Walsh's statements to police as clear attempt to mislead and delay investigators. The affidavit also outlines several trips that he made that were not requested and approved beforehand, and that may Mm. represent violations of the terms of his probation Mm -hmm. on the federal case. I was
1: going to ask about that. Like, how was that whole home arrest set up because yeah. I see that he's doing a lot of trips. He didn't think that <laughs> through.
0: He didn't think it through. So I, I don't know. Uh, he, he might, he may have some uh, federal probation violations uh, coming his way. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's convicted on the murders and it's very unlikely this guy's ever going to be free again. Oh yeah uh, matter of fact, they should probably, if they haven't already done so, have him on a suicide watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, A guy like that profiles Mm -hmm. uh, almost indefinitely as being a high risk of, of a suicide attempts being 47 years old. He's lived the majority of his life and he's now crossing into the territory of, you know, an older man Mm -hmm. and um, no prospects for ever seeing freedom again. What more does he have to live for? I'd imagine he's probably on some form of heightened uh, security. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to a source with direct knowledge, investigators put crime scene tape around dumpsters near the home of Brian Walsh's mother, uh, as we had already discussed. So January 17th, mm-hmm. an arrest warrant charging Brian Walsh with murder was issued in the death of his wife. And this was after uh, law enforcement told uh, CNN investigators anyway, mm-hmm. or the media, that they had found a hacksaw, torn up cloth material, and what appeared to be blood stains at the Peabody site. And the evidence was sent for testing DNA and all mm-hmm. that. So at that point, January 17th, the arrest warrant comes on January 18th, He's in courtroom because the DA brings charges, uh, the Quincy District Court uh on charges of murder and disinterring a body without authority. The prosecutor in this case is Lynd Bieland.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Lynde. Lynn, L Y N N. Okay. Uh she accuses him of dismembering disposing in uh, of her remains in dumpsters. She lays out some of the evidence that led to the charges and we went through some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh Tracy Miner, she's that ridiculous statement. Oh, the prosecution must have a real weak case if they're looking for help. So I don't know.
1: This one seems a lot stronger than the Kohlberg one. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a lot
0: more circumstantial evidence for sure. There's a lot more direct DNA evidence Mm -hmm. that's not transfer evidence. That's, uh, you know, blood, bodily fluids Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. So we will be following this case. I've actually had my eye on this case since I heard about it around January I want to say the first week in January Mm -hmm. is when I first heard about Anna Walsh. I didn't know what was going on about Mm -hmm. it. You know, I heard some grumblings here and there, but it started to pick up steam last week. And now the guy's been formally arraigned. So we're going to be following this case uh, to see um, if uh, Miss Minor, um, if if she's going to put, if she's going to show us how it's all done. Yeah. Show us Mm -hmm. how weak the prosecutor's case is then.
1: Something that really sticks out to me. I mean, I know it's not that important, but... I don't know that many men that just go to home goods to purchase <laughs> new rocks, like multiple rocks for a home. I, c-
0: I can tell you with good authority <laughs> how many times I've ever been to any store to purchase any rug ever in my life. Yeah. You know how many times? Zero, (laughs) zero. I
1: I know some guys do that, but like, was this common for him to be decorating, redecorating the house all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, why did he need so many rugs all of a sudden?
0: All I know is if I ever went to a TJ Maxx to buy anything, it'd be suspicious by itself.
2: exactly. Uh, To buy rugs? (laughs) When do
0: you ever buy rugs? I don't even use rugs. I don't even have rugs in my house. If it was my choice, I wouldn't have rugs. I'd have like a, well, I do have rugs and I have dogs. We're going to get rid of them and put, like, wood flooring and stuff. That's yeah, the, that's better. <laughs> yeah, we want to do that. We haven't done it yet, but.
1: Although you're going to be hearing the little nails on the wood floor. No, I don't I give him. a shit
0: about that. It beats having to account for the smell when the dogs the decide to yeah. take things in their own hands. Um, but, yeah, the wife, she bought, like, these throw rugs or whatever. Yes. She'll buy stuff like mm-hmm. that. she like, oh, yeah, what do you think of that? It's, oh, it's great. Totally. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> do you like it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's either this or the other ones. I honestly don't give a shit. Let's, uh, what's for dinner? <laughs> exactly.
1: That, that's something that stood out to me. It was like, why is this guy buying suddenly rugs at TJ Maxx? And so that was like,
0: the thing that stood out and not the other stuff about the I time. Mean, base no, of course, and like the, like the
1: other stuff is just so common for these type of cases that it's like, yeah. okay. But then the TJ Maxx one, and then also the, the, what is it called? The Hacksaw. He bought it. And then all of a sudden he's, he's disposing of it? Like,
0: why? I'll tell you what. If I'm the DA, um, and I know for a fact that mm-hmm. DA as that, that a common part of investigation to listen into uh, prisoner uh, visitor calls.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I used to have to do that when I was uh, an intern at the mm-hmm. DA's office, where my only job is, all right, I guess I'm going to sit here and listen to prison mm-hmm. calls all day. And it would be so... Mind-numbingly boring. <laughs> They're literally talking about, oh, cousin Harry is over there, and uh, little Bobby got his uh, junior high school diploma, mm-hmm. and everybody's doing great. And every now and then, you'll hear people talking shit about the lawyers. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this DA is an asshole, and this my public defender isn't doing shit. Like he doesn't know anything about the case. <laughs> and yeah. then you, I remember one time I listened in on this conversation between this guy. I don't even remember what he was in there for. Mm-hmm but he was sick sickly and he was letting his girlfriend know
2: mm-hmm.
0: that he was dying of AIDS and they had like this heartfelt conversation and I almost felt guilty listening in. I'm in yeah. like a second year law students. Like, should I
1: yeah, be
0: listening to this?
1: It's like a private conversation. Yeah. I feel like
0: <laughs> I feel kind of slimy listening in. Um, but yeah, but I, all I'm saying is I'm interested in, he, he doesn't seem like the brightest mm-hmm. guy. Obviously, he's not going to do it with his attorneys because the first yeah. thing is, like, I always tell my attorney, my clients when I do jail visits, is listen, um, they can't use this in trial, mm-hmm. but if you tell me anything, um, they're absolutely can be listening in mm-hmm. and you could point them in certain directions. Exactly. You're going to point yeah. them
1: to the, to the evidence.
0: <laughs> and yeah, no, I don't trust yeah. law enforcement. I'm doing jail visits. And, and so. <clears throat> I'm I'm curious about who's going to come visit him in prison. I wonder how close he is with his family. And if he does, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if additional evidence comes out as a result of his prison conversations with family and Mm -hmm. friends. And so, anyway, we're going to be monitoring the case. But getting back to your point, I don't remember the last time I bought a hacksaw. I do remember Mm -hmm. when I was building something.
1: But after you said, do you dispose of it? No, like, I right just away? have it. Like,
0: <laughs> This like, guy
1: bought it and uh, like three days later he's exactly. disposing it. Like, why are
2: you? Th-
0: I bought you it. Thinking? It's like hanging in my garage somewhere. Yeah, it's exactly. probably lost. I'm sure I'll find it. You know, so. um, I bought a hacksaw once um, because I was building. I don't know. I had designs on buying like a mm-hmm. uh, building like a cigar humidor that oh. I never happened or like a wine rack. I was, yeah. all, I was really into carpentry at the time. <laughs> Um, I've since moved on to other activities, hobbies, or whatnot.
1: Your <laughs> <Like a> podcast, <laughs> yeah, the podcast is a
0: new one. It's a, it's a well, relatively new. Anyway, um, but yeah, that 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 is the uh, that's the Brian Walsh case as far as what we know mm-hmm. right now. I'll probably do like a timeline piece over the weekend, uh, detailing and more a narrative
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, style about what's going on with uh, with that case because. Mm-hmm you know it's a it's a it's a pretty compelling story yes lots of details speaking of compelling stories uh by the way um have you heard about this guy murdahl so this other bizarre case and we're going to I'm going to I promise I'm going to bring this home right now okay um alex murdle you heard about this guy from south carolina Double. the well uh, the disgraced mm-hmm. uh disbarred attorney that is on trial or set to uh, go to trial for an alleged murder that he collected, that he committed of his son and his 52-year-old wife. Mm -hmm. Now, this case is straight-up bizarre. Yes. And I'll tell you what, (laughs) this case is not at all like the Koberger case Mm -hmm. or the Walsh case. Um, Murdoch is not an idiot. No. He has provided investigators with very little evidence and he has an alibi, and he has probably the most powerful attorney in the state of South Carolina and really one of the most um, vicious trial attorneys in America representing him in this case. And for that reason alone, I'm—if I had the time, Eliana, I swear to God, I would provide, like— a, I would do one <laughs> of those things or those YouTubers that—who's that, that lady? Emily Baker, that one, that YouTuber that you mm-hmm. like? I like her. To, I listen to her, too. She's great. But she does, like, the— uh, play-by-play commentary mm-hmm. of the trial. If yeah. I had the time, I swear to God, I would do that for this case. Mm-hmm. But I have to be a lawyer still. So it's <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not retired yet. Um, but I'm we, we're, we're definitely going to be covering the case. I mm-hmm. uh, do week-by-week analysis of, you know, all the evidence that's come out of the case. Mm-hmm. But this hit the radar um, back on June of right? 2021, a couple oh, of years more, ago.
2: Yeah, I remember hearing about this yeah. guy, and
0: it was like the scheme— to defraud the insurance company of an, of his attempted suicide. He hired a gentleman by the name of Curtis Smith, who was a, a buddy of his, mm-hmm. who's going to be a witness in this upcoming murder trial, okay. uh, who was a character. But the plan was that he was going to hire his friend to shoot him in the face, in the head, and make it look like a murder or a suicide or mm-hmm. something to defraud the insurance Um, what, well, here's where he's at right now. He's currently charged with the murder of his wife and his 19 year old son. His wife was 52. He was already in jail facing charges in an attempted suicide and money fraud scheme. He was also prior to that accused of stealing $8 million from his clients in his uh, law firm, similar to the Girardi case. Remember him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this guy did it too, but he did in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, he's since been disbarred, obviously. Um, And on June 7th of 2021, there was this 911 call Mm -hmm. um, from his South Carolina estates stating that he found his wife and his 22-year-old son unresponsive on his estate. He claimed that he was visiting at the time his sick father on the night of the murders, Mm -hmm. which apparently checks out. Um, There was... Blood spatter on uh, that was found on his clothes, Mm -hmm. despite him saying that he was visiting his sick dad. Mm -hmm. Um, He shot his 52-year-old wife with a rifle. Mm -hmm. I don't know specifically the kind of rifle. But his son was shot with a shotgun, two completely different weapons. I don't know how much you know about guns. I just know this. That a rifle or a mm-hmm. hunting rifle or an M4 or you know some similar mm-hmm. type semi-automatic re- weapon Files, fires uh, bullets It could be 357 caliber all the way up to 50 caliber um, single shot <clears throat> it's a different weapon altogether. Yeah. A shotgun and it's it's built for precision long mm-hmm. range shooting mid- medium range blah medium range shooting um, and I know that mostly because of Call of Duty <laughs> <Cool>. um, shotguns. <laughs> A shotgun is a much more explosive weapon mm-hmm. for short-range combat. Completely okay. different ammunition style, mm-hmm. which it's like this buckshot, like a spread of shrapnel mm-hmm. is ejected from the the shell, the shotgun casing, okay. and it creates this wide spray, just obliterating, exploding anything mm-hmm. uh, that it comes in It's very deadly, okay. right? So the fact that the two were murdered with different weapons is problematic for the prosecution. This case is a lot more Mm tight-lipped, and the prosecution in this case is up against much stiffer competition in terms of defense attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what's going to happen with this case. They're supposed to start trial on Monday. We'll see if they actually get started. Um, But they're slated to begin at 9 a.m., Eastern time this coming Monday. And of course, as you, you and I both know that could be kicked out for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Who knows, but they're scheduled to start on Monday. So about the attempted, uh, well, here's what Murdoch's lawyer is saying right now. So Mm -hmm. far, obviously he wants everybody to know uh, that uh, his client had nothing to do with the the murders. There's no motive for the murders, which kind of tracks. Mm hmm. Because prior to this, there's this whole um, scheme mm-hmm. to get his son $10 million in insurance money. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. So he hires a 61-year-old buddy, Curtis Smith, mm-hmm. to shoot him in the head, hoping to leave a $10 million windfall mm-hmm. for his eldest son, okay. now deceased, right? Um, Smith is going to testify to that in this case. Mm-hmm. Why is he going to testify to that? Because it goes to, why would he want to murder his mm-hmm. son, whom he was trying to literally leave,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, kill Some himself money. to mm-hmm. leave money for, right? Uh, so he claims he showed up to talk to him. Him, being Curtis Smith, mm-hmm. shows up to talk to Murdahl uh, He approaches Murdoch. Murdoch is holding a gun in mm-hmm. the car. And Murdoch tells him, I want you to shoot me. And he says, there's no way. I'm not going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? And so he approaches him in a very friendly way. He's trying to comfort him. He's trying to get mm-hmm. the gun from him. And he tries to snatch the gun away from the wrestling over the gun. And the gun goes off. Um, it goes off somehow. Yeah. And then he, t- he tries to dispose of the weapon. And that was some of the evidence that comes out in the fraud scheme. Okay. I don't know all the details with that, mm-hmm. but that's the gist of the story. That it was a failed suicide attempt that he tried to paint into a murder. To
1: benefit his son.
0: We're gonna find out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It the the biggest problems with the case is exactly what his attorney said. What's the motive here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could make a case for fifty-two-year-old wife. I mean, that happens a lot. You've been married too long, or maybe she's getting on your nerves, or whatever, and that happens a lot. But your son, your eldest son, for what purpose? Mm-hmm. I suspect you could spin a lot of different theories.
2: Is a witness,
0: maybe? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Maybe he walks in, sees dead mom on the floor, and um, tries to come to his mom's defense. He grabs the closest weapon in the vicinity, happens to be a shotgun, and takes an effective shot. There's one theory, but I don't have any of that evidence no. before me, and that's what's so fat. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this that case? So
1: bizarre that, yeah, it just doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> None of it does, and so we're gonna be following it, and, and, and then yeah, yeah, that's coming up. That's coming up next week, and so so Monday. Huh? I suspect that it's probably going to be a six week trial. Is it gonna be live streamed? It is going to be live streamed. There, there are currently scheduled for pre-trial motions, as typically okay. ha- they haven't even begun the voir dire process yet. Oh, so they still got to pick juries, mm-hmm. and before picking juries, there's going to be a lot of pre-trial yeah. motions that happen. So when they actually start the actual trial, mm-hmm. it might not even be ne- next week.
1: Yeah, no, but, I thought it was like ready to go on Monday. No, name. no, they okay. got
0: to they just got to start yeah. picking juries. Okay, so. <coughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll be monitoring it and we'll we're not gonna do a play by play as in like uh doing the live stream uh lawyer reacts to a <laughs> trial. I'm not gonna do that. You know, I but I uh, don't have the
2: time. Yeah, I just Unfortunately, I wish
0: I had it that well where I could do something <laughs> like that, but not, not yet, not Especially quite. Especially
1: not during January month. Uh, not during month. January. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy for oh. family law right now.
0: I'm calling. Hey, Eliana, could you cover this case? No, I'm in Hemet. It's like, damn it. Yeah. So <laughs> then we're all uh, we're making do. <clears throat> yeah, January is always the most exciting month. Of an attorney's year, well, for us anyway. Family law. At least. Yeah, and family law. Everybody's done with the holidays and everybody wants mm-hmm. to get divorced and everybody's letting all of the stuff they held back over the holidays mm-hmm. that festered um, come out in January. And so. Yep.
1: They want a new start and they just want a new life and
0: everybody's getting yeah, divorced. Yeah. But, you know, can't say it's not exciting. Or mm-hmm. not entertaining anyway. Yep. Uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you for episode 23. I do thank you uh, for listening. If you're listening to us on the podcast, thank you so much. Um, and you, you know, for our podcast numbers, um, our podcast is starting to surpass the YouTube, yeah, YouTube, which is funny because at first the YouTube vastly surpassed mm-hmm. the podcast. Like, You know, why do we even do a podcast then? And then all of a sudden it's like the podcast is, Starting to take over okay. the YouTube, and so I don't know if it's going to be like this back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just know that they are two separate mediums. Like, there's a different strategy involved. Like YouTube, people are like, they want you to get to the action. Get rid of the introduction. Just get to the mm-hmm. get to the information. You yes. got to go. You know, you got to be visually uh, stimulating people with images and mm-hmm. pictures and the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And audio is more long form. You have a little more time and you're, it's more like storyteller mode, yeah. which I think is, you know, people are starting to catch on to that part of it. So if you listen, I'll tell you this. If you listen to the podcast, we do also have the YouTube show mm-hmm. and the YouTube show is a little different from the podcast because it's a little more edited to fit YouTube's format mm-hmm. as in. There's a lot less pauses. It's a lot. There's a lot more animations. There's a lot more graphics, and you can kind of see better what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But podcasts, obviously, is more story form, a long form conversation. It's a lot less edited. It's a lot more raw, mm-hmm. and so that's what you get if you listen to the podcast. And plus, if you're sitting in your car and you got to be in, like you're in LA, you're going to sit yeah. in traffic for two hours anyway. <laughs> what better you got to do? Um, listen to a podcast. That's why I've, mm-hmm. I, I haven't listened to the radio in years. I'm a podcast guy myself. So at that rate. If you do listen to us, uh, thank you for listening. And if you listen to this entire show, thank you even more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what I will say is next week we will have more fresh content for you. We're going to give you some updates on these three main cases and anything else that might come down the pike. Yes. And as always, we will uh, see you next week. Please be safe out there. Please lock your doors. Um, yes. If you get in trouble with the cops, don't say anything. Make sure you call your attorney. Call Iliana, call myself. <laughs> We'll we'll uh, we'll handle it as best we can, mm-hmm. depending on what you got yourself into. Just don't say anything till we get there, and we will see you guys next week. Bye bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.